Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 and welcome to the third installment of Where Are They Now? on the Everyday Eagle podcast. We have an unbelievable guest tonight um, for the show, but first I need to bring in that crazy ball four yelling co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's happening, Chuck? What's happening? How are you feeling, back. man? I'm, I'm fired up about this guest. I don't know what strings you pull, but I'm, I appreciate you pulling them. It helps to know some people in high places, man. That's all I can say. That's right. Or either work with the right people, you know. Um, yeah. Well, tonight we're gonna uh, we're gonna introduce. We're joined by a Southern Miss great and a World Series winner, Mr. Brian Dozier. <laughs> What's up, Doge? Hey guys, I appreciate y'all guys having me. How y'all doing? We appreciate you oh, coming good, on, man. man. We're good. good. Looking forward to this. Excited to get to talk to you a little bit about some ball. I yes, love sir. that. Love, love some, some experiences. That's right. Yeah, when uh, I got the message back from Brian saying that he, he'd come on, uh, I, t- I think I turned into a little schoolgirl, man. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we're excited to have you, man, for sure. I love you. Know, it. That's awesome. Not that Colin Cargill and Todd McKinnis and those guys aren't awesome people because we love them to death. But, that's right. That's yeah, right. Great people. Um, Brian, I'll tell you this. He sent in our group message. Let's do this tomorrow night. Because you agreed to do it yesterday, I think. He said, let's record tomorrow night before he changes his mind. Before he, <laughs> before he listens to an episode, changes his mind. Yep. Hey, That's what hey. he said. You got two two kids at two, two and one years old, and then about wow. another, third one about uh, coming in about four weeks. When you got this window, you, we got to take you, advantage you of You got to take advantage, right? That's <laughs> awesome, man. Well, congrats on the uh, upcoming baby, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Awesome. Your life's about to get a lot more heck. Woo! <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> right. Well, all right, Brian, I'll start us off, man. We like to ask, um, uh, I guess, basic questions for all our where are they now and our, our uh, guests that come on. So the first question I have is, why Southern Miss, man? Yeah, so <clears throat> I um, you know, I grew up in uh, right outside Tupelo, Mississippi, in, in Fulton, Etiwamba, I like to say, and and all I wanted to do was uh, play baseball for for Mississippi State. And uh, mm. when I kind of got recruited from Mississippi uh, from Mississippi State, uh, Coach Polk pulled me over to the side and called me, and he said, "Hey, listen, I I need a shortstop that can uh, <clears throat> that can hit the three run homer uh, when we need it." And I didn't have much power at all at the at the time, and I was a slap hitting shortstop. And I said. Uh, well, a three-run homer. What? How's the other two guys gonna get on base? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and he kind of laughed and shrugged it off. So I was like, "Well, I hopefully I can go to Ole Miss." Uh, they didn't want me either. And then uh, Coach Barry, he always goes out to um, Oklahoma every year to this uh, Mississippi takes a team and competes against uh, a lot of the teams in the U.S. and he saw me play, and um, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I never really followed Southern Miss. Um, I wanted to stay in-state, and uh, I kind of fell in love with Coach Palmer and uh, Coach Barry on my visit. I had a good friend of mine named Luke Atkins, 
uh, up around Nettleton, Mississippi. He ended up being my roommate in college. He came down with me. Uh, he was our left fielder at Southern Miss. He came down with me, and we chose Southern Miss. Um, and it was uh, probably the best decision uh, besides marrying my wife. Absolutely. Um, um, <clears throat> that I probably ever made. So. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. So we should we should all uh, send uh, Ron Polk a thank you card then. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, thank you for making that mistake. Well, How about him saying about you hitting power? I know you didn't hit for a ton of power in college, but you reckon he ever tells that story to people now and it's just like, yeah, I told Brian Dozier I needed someone with more pop in their bat? <laughs> so, you know what? So, uh, Coach Polk, he sends me a letter as he does a lot of people um, – each and every year about the same time. He still sends me a letter each and every year, a handwritten letter, uh, just kind of, you know, in my career, how's it doing, how you feeling at the plate, all this kind of stuff. And now it's kind of, how's your family, how's your kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's never mentioned that, but uh, in the back of my mind, I'm always like curious as if he remembers that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, other than the obvious, Brian, what is uh, your favorite Southern Miss moment or memory? Well, uh, you know, for me and, you know, playing in the big leagues for so long and then looking back at, you know, at the college experience, um, I love college baseball. I think it's awesome, guys, that you um, you live in dorm rooms together with, you go out together, you you do everything together and some of your best friends and some of the best moments of your life. And um, I just remember the time that, um, you know, that we, that we went down to Georgia tech, we won the regional, we upset, you know, the seventh best team or sixth best team in the nation. And then we went to the number two best team in the nation, which everybody a bit in Vegas, they had us like you know, plus twelve hundred to one, and um, mm. and uh, we beat them in two games and stuff. And uh, for me, during that whole experience, and uh, we might get to it later, but uh, I was hurt at the time and was never supposed to play college baseball again uh, until unless we got to Omaha. Um, and uh, just all those emotions coming together when we beat them, knowing that I actually could put on a jersey again and play uh was truly you know unbelievable and stuff and then just gets get to experience you know um you know a college world series all, all those emotions together at once uh was pretty special so that's awesome man all right and, and brian i always ask our guests on here what was your major whenever you were in school yeah so uh my dad owns his own cpa firm in a small town of fulton and uh that's kind of all i grew up knowing was a lot of tax stuff and uh, so I went into accounting and it was about uh, a little over a year into it. I called my dad and said, this is for the freaking birds. <laughs> <laughs> you can have this. I ain't doing this. I had intermediate accounting and I walked out on my teacher and said, uh, uh, just put me an elf. I don't even care. I'm, I'm, it's not for me. Mm. Uh, but I love business. I've always loved business. And uh, so I, um, I switched to business. Uh, minor in marketing, and um, which is a great thing. Uh, I do a lot of business stuff today. I've been doing it ever since I even first got to pro ball and stuff. So uh, that's something probably one of my uh, favorite things to do. So um, build businesses and and sell them off and stuff. So that's awesome. I'll tell you what, man. Every time I'm having to fill out tax paperwork, I literally. My CPA wishes I would lose his cell number, I'm sure. <laughs> I call hey, him I'm the every same way. single time and say, what am I supposed to put? 
and he That's literally right. has to walk me through it. The funny thing is, my dad was my CPA all while I was playing. As soon as I retired, he calls me up and said, "Time for you to just get somebody down there, bud." <laughs> <laughs> he said, I said, "I got you, Dad. I, I'll get somebody down here in Hattiesburg." <laughs> all right, and then my next question is: Obviously, we know we know you had a great career, a great run through Major League Baseball. Uh, so that part of it's not really a secret what you did after college, but what are you up to now? What, what are you doing now? Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting you say that I, I, um, my wife and I, my wife majored in business as well. And, uh, she is, uh, she is unbelievably smart. She, um, she kind of runs our, all of our businesses. We kind of focused on storage facilities now, uh, we bought our first storage facility probably two years into me getting to the big leagues. Uh, so all throughout my career, we've had <clears throat> a ton of storage facilities and run a bunch of big companies. Um, she kind of runs the day-to-day operations of kind of managing all of our um, all of our employees and, and uh, day-to-day work and stuff. I do the acquisitions and, and selling part of it. Uh, we've done that uh, for the past 10 or 12 years. So uh, we're just continuing to build that like we love to do. Uh, but more than anything, um, as I mentioned earlier, I got a two and a half year old girl, a one year old boy. And in four weeks we have, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but, uh, we're going to wait till it pops out. So nice. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so we'll have, uh, in about four weeks, we'll have three kids under three, my wife and I will. And, and uh, so say a prayer for us with for that. Sure. <laughs> so sure. what color did you paint the nursery not knowing? Well, that's the thing. That's the funny thing. Well, the first two we found out. Now we're not going to find out. Uh, we just moved into our new house out at Cambridge that we built. And the, the girl that designed it all, she's going to, we're going to give her the uh, the gender. And when we get back home, hopefully she'll have everything painted within a oh, day wow. or two. So <laughs> that would awesome. be cool. Yeah. So, so it should work out pretty good, but. Uh, I want another girl. Um, she kind of wants a boy, so we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, what's the name of the storage facility? Are you guys local or anything? We got so it uh, all across the southeast. Uh, Crown Storage, yeah, that's uh, um, that's kind of our thing. We did about ten, twelve years ago, and um, yeah, so we're just trying to build that up, and uh, mm-hmm. we love we love that. It kind of gives us a, a lot of stuff to do and work from home mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, but. Um, I will also say I do play about two or three times a week of a little golf with the buddies. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh yeah. Nice. Uh, well, good deal. Good deal. Well, Chuck's got some, some fun questions he wants to ask okay. some, some Chuck specific questions here. Yeah. I'll turn the, I'll turn the, the mic over to him and let him rock and roll with his questions. Love it. All right, Doge, we'll dive right in, man. You know, your senior year was a memorable one, you know, 2009, not only because some of the great things happened, like the College World Series, but because the scare that you gave all of Southern Miss Nation, man. Um, I think it was, what, mid-April, I believe, you you went uh, to make one of those Dozier plays, as everybody likes to call it, against Jackson State. And I I was there at that game, and I remember the crowd being silent. We're just waiting for you to get up and throw somebody out at first. But, you, I mean, your obvious, obvious pain, what do you remember from that night? What was your thought process there? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, so it, it was probably like 30, 40 game, 30 games uh, into my senior year. Um, you know, I just turned down the draft the year before. Uh-huh. 
and I came back from my senior year and um, I, I was like 14 to nothing in like the seventh inning. And I can, I'll never forget it. Uh, Coach Palmer, as I'm going out on defense, he said, Hey, um, um, we're just going to let you play one more inning of defense and uh, you'll be done for the night. And I said, okay, good. And uh, they end up getting bases loaded. I dive to my right. And as I'm diving, I try to throw and get the uh, force out at third. Fell on my right shoulder, snapped my collarbone in half, mm-hmm. and uh, season over with. And mm-hmm. I, I remember um, literally laying there. I mean, a thousand different emotions. But one of the biggest things, and uh, it's, you know, very selfishly at the time, looking back at it, was, oh, my gosh, I'm the guy that turned down going to fulfill his dream of being right. a professional baseball player and then coming back gets hurt. See, you know, everything's done. Right. And, um, but anyway, I end up having surgery. Um, I actually have, you know, still have the plate and eight screws, uh, in my shoulder uh, as we speak right now. But, um, uh, there was just a lot of different things and it's, and looking back at it now, uh, I, I obviously I wish I wouldn't have got hurt and experienced that, you know, that run and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff leading up to it. But it was a very humbling moment and a very um, eye opening moment as to how to be a leader um, when you're not playing, uh, which I can relate to, especially down fast forward to 2019 when um, um, I was kind of. You know, on the bench, being a bench player, you know, winning the World Series with the Nationals, coming off the bench, and just being a leader, not actually playing every single day, uh, it taught me a lot. And it's uh, it's crazy what the good Lord does, and a full, comes everything comes in a full circle to teach you so many things that you might not even know mm-hmm. about until uh, you know twenty years later. So that's you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, obviously you healed, and the story had a happy ending. Um, did you have any regrets? Did you ever say, man, I wish I wouldn't have come back my senior year? Uh, at the time in that moment, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, uh, like I, like, like I said, it was, it, it was just very, it was kind of more humbling than kind of regrets, yeah. uh, just because of the fact like, okay, I'm sitting here, I can't do anything for, um, this team whatsoever. And to be honest with you for the next uh, for the next month, two months uh, leading up to, you know, going to a regional and stuff. I mean, I was literally, I was doing my thing. I was just rehabbing. I wouldn't really come to practice uh-huh. until the very end. And I would come to the games, but not really do anything. And just kind of, hey, cheer, be a little cheerleader every now and then until something hit me. I was like, hey, this team was number one in the nation. We're ranked number one RPI. And then all of a sudden, we're not going to make a regional. We're going to be the last team in. And something hit me that, hey, I got to step it up. And even though I'm hurt, I got to learn how to be a leader without actually having to play. Uh-huh. And it just it was very humbling, and it taught me a lot. So, uh, Yeah, what do you – you know, and I just I just remembered that that was the same time Corky had announced he was retiring, Coach Palmer. Yeah. So what was it like kind of riding out to the sunset with him, so to speak? You know, <clears throat> He is awesome. He's, he's like a second father figure for me. Um I will actually, uh, so he's in college right now, as, as you might know, mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. listeners might know he's not doing very well. And, uh, he had a stroke about a year and a half ago. Um, uh, I went visit him, um, about three days ago, spent about an hour or two with him and just telling stories and reminiscing on old times and all that kind of stuff. He's kind of paralyzed on this whole right side of his mm-hmm. body. Um, 
but um, but he's unbelievable. It was really cool just to see uh, such a legend coach of what he did. Kind of, <clears throat> kind of like completely turned Southern Miss baseball around. Obviously, Hill Denson did a phenomenal job in what he did. And but there's like a little lull between that. Uh-huh. And then Coach Palmer steps in and he goes to you know ten, twelve straight regionals and. Um, and just to kind of ride off in the sunsets, like you said, is, uh, was pretty cool with him. Absolutely. Um, speaking of another guy that kind of stepped up, what was it like seeing B.A. step up and fill that giant hole you kind of left at, at shortstop? I will tell you, we still talk about it to today, and B.A. is one of my good buddies, still lives in Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, he was – he don't mind me saying this because, you know, I'll tell him all the time. He was a little – he was a little cocky guy from Biloxi. <laughs> that um that thought he was Derek Jeter coming in, Alex Rodriguez, and didn't play obviously the first half of the year and then I got hurt. And then it is unbelievable that he I'm not gonna compare him to A Rod or, or Jeets, but um he really backed that up and he kind of carried the team for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know exactly, I don't remember the stats, but we had talked about it before it was above and beyond anybody else on that offensive team. And he carried them as a freshman that second half of the year um, into the college world series, hitting a homer, you know, and Rosenblatt and all that kind of stuff. So um, he's awesome. I wouldn't tell it to his face, but he he did a phenomenal job. Todd gave him a jab last week. too. He did. We we love to give OBA a jab every now and then. Got to keep him humble, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Todd, I believe Todd's words were he could hit a baseball. He couldn't catch very many of them, but he could hit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's 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 about right. That's about right. Yeah. Well, everybody I've talked to um, says that you are a humble, natural leader. You know, you talked a little bit about it earlier, but once you were able to get back in the dugout, and you know, you were those guys' biggest cheerleader. You were. I remember seeing you were usually the first one out of the dugout to welcome people back in. How important is it to have guys on the bench support those on the field? Well, I, uh, you know, I, you mentioned that obviously at Southern Miss, and I got a taste of it uh, my second to last year with the Nationals and stuff. Um, if you don't have the guys that, uh, for instance, everyday players mm-hmm. um, or uh, guys that day in and day out can just lead by quote unquote example as far as when it comes to putting up good numbers and play. it's easy to lead like that, right? You just gotta right. you gotta be hitting good, you gotta be fielding good, you gotta be pitching good. Uh, it's easy because everything kind of comes natural after that. And you can always, you know, hold the team meetings or you can always, you know, pump guys up or get in, um, you know, chew somebody out when you need. It's easy for that. Everything's going good, but the guys that actually are on the bench and no one ever sees, so to speak, uh, in my opinion, are the guys that are um, more uh, people give more respect for than anybody. And I got a taste of that when I was with the Nationals towards the last two months, uh, all because of the fact that I got to experience that when I was, quote unquote, on the bench uh, for Southern Miss when I was hurt. So um, uh, you have to have those guys. and uh, it, it's, it really is like a, a true uh, leader moment for somebody that doesn't get to play or is not on right. the field and that actually can lead. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I feel like you had more 
catcher interference calls than any other player I've ever seen. <laughs> I know you had one called uh, for you in Omaha. Were those always accidental, or did you kind of know what you were doing? <clears throat> hey, it's called just a bad swing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my uh, – uh, my college swing was very, uh, very loopy and very um, slap hitting. Um, go deep in the zone. I, when I say deep in the zone, like get your bat deep as far as possible in the zone. Just let it drag through and slap singles and doubles everywhere. Uh, that uh, that was kind of my motto. And every now and then, the catcher got a little too close. I had to scoot a little, scoot a little back and uh, yeah. and try to try to try to get on base somehow. So, right. but, uh, but I will say, um, the one in Omaha was definitely not intentional. Okay. Um, I like, I would like to think it was, but it was, right. it was just really bad swing. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Well, uh, uh, a lot of people have always asked me my opinion on it. I don't know the truth, but were you helpful in getting Matt Walner to come to USM? Yeah. So, um, uh, Coach Kaye, he's at South Carolina now. A lot mm-hmm. of people remember him. He um, he was my hitting coach uh, for Southern Miss my last two years, um, uh, especially in Omaha, the Omaha year. He um, he called me out of the blue one day. I was playing with the Twins, and he said, hey, listen, uh, there's this guy. <clears throat> he's a beast. Uh, he was going to go to, I believe, South Dakota State or North so. Dakota State, one of them, and he said, um, I don't I don't know if they canceled their program or so I forget what happened. He said, um, uh, he's from literally right north of Minneapolis. Do you mind reaching out to him? And I said, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And uh, I had forgotten to call him. And ironically, the next day, um, the next day at Target Field, he throws out the first pitch, him and this other girl, they got. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Um, Gatorade Player of Minnesota or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, Gatorade and, Player of the Year from Minnesota. Yeah, something like that. And uh, and I'm like, oh, dang it. I forgot to call this guy. And I was like, oh, shoot. Well, you're throwing out the first pitch. And um, I actually called the first pitch for him. And we got to talking. I said, hey, listen, <clears throat> in, a, in a few days, I'll uh, I'll give you a call when we get on the road trip and stuff. So I called him up and I, um, he literally said, Hey, I can probably going to go in the draft. Um, what do you think? And I, I gave him my spill about, um, coming down, um, uh, you know, to Southern Miss and checking out, uh, checking out the, a great baseball program, great weather. And, um, I didn't tell him beautiful women, but apparently he's, uh, he's living down in the South now. He met he Southern Miss yeah. and, uh, so, uh, I didn't tell him beautiful women, but he figured it out very quickly. Right. Um, <clears throat> but um, but we got to t- we got to talking, and I said, "Listen, man, I said um, if you're good enough, that pro ball will always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, come try it out." And sure enough, uh, a couple of months later, he he signed, and obviously he's one of the best players to come through Southern Miss. So. He can hit a ball, man. Yes, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a home run derby between him and uh, BA Balmay. See who can <laughs> hit the most. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Walner. Another You'll jab take. at BA. <laughs> well done on that one. Right. By the way, he's crushing it right now in the minors. Have y'all checked his numbers lately? I have not. Somebody uh, in the roost the other day. Somebody told me he's doing really well. So 
Yeah, I, I, I imagine he'll be up in the next couple of years, so that'll I be fun so. to watch. He's with a great organization, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of spinning off that, what advice would you give to people or players that may be looking at Southern Miss versus like a power five school such as State or Ole Miss or, or going to the draft? Um, well, I think I think Southern Miss is so unique. Um, I'm not saying that we're not good at football or basketball or anything like that, but it's kind of like a baseball school, so to speak. When it comes to – uh, competing nationally, uh, being one of the better teams in the nation. Um, and I think they, they proved that, you know, obviously, you know, hosting the Super Regional and uh, this year and stuff like that. I, I, I'm, I'm really quick to tell people, like, SEC, Power Five, anything like that, I would put Southern Miss against anybody. Absolutely. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of, like, travel ball. You see a lot of people now, well, I got to – uh, well, I got to do this, play travel ball in order to get seen in order to do this, or I got to play in the SEC or power five in order to face the best pitching and all this to, it's all hogwash. It's, if you're good, you're good. Uh, mm-hmm. Southern Miss, uh, in my opinion, as far as fan base, um, obviously we had the best pitching staff in the nation this year. One of the best pitch, well, yeah. any of, any of that stuff, it competes against all power five schools, SEC schools, and it's going to continue to get better um, uh, to get more people and more recruits here. Um, I just, I, you know, I love Southern Miss so much, and yeah. um, I, I just, I, I, I would, can, I'd put it up against anybody else in the nation. So, oh, no. I think it was Brett Favre that uh, he tells people, "Hey, look, if you're good enough, they'll find you." Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. They'll find you. Yeah, you just got to play. <laughs> yeah. um, did you have a favorite teammate in college or or professional ball? Uh, I, well, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of them. One of my favorites, uh, my second to last year, was Anthony Rendon. Um, he's just he, he's um, he was kind of like me. Um, uh, I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but I really didn't. I really didn't give a crap about really anything. Um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he hated baseball. Um, and I say that very loose. He still does. And I say that very loosely just to say that, like, he's just a good old guy, good old Christian guy that like yeah. he's playing baseball just because he's good at it. And that's his job. And he never let anything phase him. And, uh, the conversations we had and so, and Rendon, um, you know, he was a freshman when I was a senior. He was a freshman at Rice, and uh, we'd have we'd have conversations about him uh, playing at Southern Miss and thinking that was the best atmosphere across the whole country that he's ever played in, uh, playing at um, in Hattiesburg and uh, stuff like that. But he yeah. uh, he's just a down to earth guy, and he's probably one of my um, all time favorites. Okay, awesome. Man. I got two more questions for you, and then I'll turn it over to Lane. Um, what did you think about the move from shortstop to second base? And what do you think is the biggest difference there? <laughs> or, <clears throat> well, I tell you, uh, the, the biggest reason I moved my, um, uh, Ron Gardenhire, my manager at the time with the twins, um, he literally told me he got tired of seeing me kill about seven kids in the stands, uh, behind <laughs> first base. 
So uh, about every throw I made, I made like 20-something errors my rookie year. Oh, wow. And um, he literally said, hey, you're going to – I'm tired of seeing you kill kids <laughs> behind <laughs> first base. Hey, let's just move to second and make it a little shorter. Yeah. And I said, cool, uh, we'll do that. Um, and he said, I never, I never want you to see – I never want you to take another ground ball at shortstop until I tell you so. And I said, oh, okay, cool. That was at the end of 2012. Mm-hmm. Well, 2013 rolls around at spring training, and um, I get out there early work and stuff. I do my second base work, start doing turns and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to get some at shortstop just in case. I start taking some. He runs out to shortstop and gets in my face. And he said, what did I tell you? Never take a ground ball at shortstop until I tell you to. And I said, my bad, dog. My bad. <laughs> and uh, – that is the last ground ball I've ever taken at shortstop, it's, and that's uh, that's right at um, eleven years now. So, wow, yeah, that's the last time I ever took a ground ball at shortstop. So, uh, hey, shortstop's a lot harder. We'll leave uh-huh. it to uh, a lot of those good slick fielding uh, guys that can do it. I'd rather just throw it half the distance from second base. <laughs> right, no doubt, man, no doubt. And all the children in Minnesota were safe. <laughs> and they were all safe. <laughs> uh, hey, man, my last question um, is, you know, uh, a few years ago, there were some tornadoes that came through Hattiesburg and Pedal, and it was a lot of damage done. And um, I remember seeing you at church helping load up supplies and stuff to take out to them. Your faith is pretty important to you, isn't it? <clears throat> that's uh i mean i encourage people that's exactly what you live for um so yeah yeah it definitely is that's awesome man i i appreciate that and i appreciate you serving the city still and um everybody is right you're a humble natural leader brother well i appreciate that thank Absolutely. you all right lane I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift it over to you man all right brian i want to start out by talking about the minor leagues uh you know you're journey through there through the minor league track i've heard basically the minor league circuit's rough i've heard it's it's hard on it's hard on players it's hard on people it's just a a grind a never-ending grind uh can you speak to like what was your minor league experience like yeah so uh when i uh when i first signed with the twins i went to um I went to Elizabethan, Tennessee, uh, to short season rookie ball. And I, uh, I had, it was a two bedroom house. Um, we we're each paying about $60 a month, uh, to live there. Um, uh, there were six of us. We would, we bought these like cheap mattresses and we just piled them up in the living room, uh, basically just to, just to sleep on. And, um, and then the the bad part about it was that wasn't too bad. I, mean, I can sleep wherever, but uh, you'd um, you, you'd get on a bus after a night game at about midnight, and you'd drive fourteen hours um, to the other city um, just to play two games, and then drive twelve more hours to another one uh, in the middle of the night, and then fourteen more hours back, um, all making about. I think the highest I got up to was about six hundred dollars a month. Um, so it was, uh, you gotta love it. I know they do, uh, they make a little more money now and stuff and probably give them a little more per diem and all that kind of stuff. But it, at the time I, uh, I can remember 
calling my parents and my girlfriend and now my wife and stuff like they're like double like questioning you know what i'm trying to do here so uh, but ended up working out so oh yeah you had to get good at sleeping on a bus huh <laughs> that's the whole thing i never got good at it i was the guy the only guy to i have to sleep laying down so i was the only guy that would bring like a sleeping bag and slept on the aisle of the bus uh on the floor <laughs> uh for 12 hours and stuff so um but you got to get good at it yeah <laughs> so do you do you remember the day you got the call to go to the majors can you tell us a little bit about that day and how that call was made is it actually a phone call how does it work like what was the call up experience like for you yeah so uh i was in AAA, and uh we had um actually my roommate in AAA, who ended up being my roommate rookie year in the big leagues uh, scott diamond he's a pitcher and everyone kind of got the hint that he was about to get called up right so <clears throat> we uh we were at home and we played a night game it was cinco de mayo and um, I'll never forget it. We were all packing up, ready after the game to go on this 14-hour bus trip um, uh, to play in Pennsylvania. And um, our manager comes in, and he said, um, uh, before we get going, before we pack up, uh, I just want to let you all know, hey, Scott, pack your bags. You're going to the big leagues. And, you know, like we always did, I've seen a lot of call-ups uh, while I was there, and everyone goes crazy and starts, you know, throwing stuff and, you know, mosh pit kind of thing and and everything going good, and we congratulate him and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, everything kind of dies down, and the manager says, Scott, good luck, and, uh, you know, make sure we're going to leave in about 30 minutes um, and, uh, and head out to Pennsylvania. So y'all hurry up and pack up. And he starts walking out. He makes two steps and he goes, Oh, I forgot to say Doge, you're going with him, buddy. Wow. And, uh, everyone went crazy again. And, um, I'll never forget it. Um, I, I called my dad, my very first one that I called and, um, he was actually able to make my big league debut along with about 30 other people from Fulton. Um, call my mom and obviously my, uh, my girlfriend, my, now my wife and a lot of tears shed and, uh, all in that one moment, your dream comes true. So did you have any idea that you were getting close to a call up? No, that that's the thing. We knew Scott was, uh, just cause you know, rumor milled and all that kind of jazz and, uh, but, but no, I had no idea. I knew they were struggling at the shortstop position where I, uh, but I had no, we had never seen anything or heard any rumors that I would be, but, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. And then, so you get your call up, you get to go to the bigs. I think every kid at some point is, has played in their yard and just imagine, I guess the PA announcer saying their name and then seeing their picture on the big screen and all that. Can you uh, reminisce on that a little bit for us? What was it like getting to see yourself in the big leagues for the first time? Yeah, it's cool even just to think about it now. You don't get to think about it much because years have passed and you've done, you know, been in there for so long. But it, it's cool just to even think about it. I, um, you know, I got when when I got there, I got to the stadium and everything. Of course, you go walk out in the stadium, and I got another good story about the year prior to that when I got to um, uh, go to the exhibition game against the Braves. But this one was so much different because you're actually there, right? And um, I, we we're playing the Angels, we we're playing in Minnesota, 
Um, uh, my my very first swing I took, I lined out to um, uh, to the center fielder. He made like a Superman diving catch in, and I was like, "Well, dead gummit, this is pretty tough." And um, <clears throat> I end up getting a hit my very last at bat. I get to first base, and uh, Albert Pujols is playing first. And he, he uh, if you've seen the highlight or anything, he puts his hand on my. Um, on my uh, my helmet, and uh, he whispers in my ear, and he said, "The first of many, kid. Enjoy this." And I was just like, "Wow, this is uh, um, this is actually really cool. So <laughs> I could get used to this." So, uh, yeah. But it, now- it, it, uh, it was a surreal experience, and um, it brings back a lot of special memories. So. And now Pujols is pitching. Yeah, now now he's pitching. <laughs> now he's pitching. <laughs> he guys. is a giant yeah. of a man. Did he have to reach down to put his hand on your helmet? <laughs> yeah, way down. <laughs> he's, he's actually he's actually not that tall of a guy. Um, he's just very wide and thick. And boy, he used to hit back in the day, though. Mm-hmm. Did you and him used to talk some whenever y'all played against each other? Oh yeah, plenty you of know. times. I, he is such a. Um, we say an artist, he's an artist when it comes to like the swing mechanics and his thought process and stuff. So I would always, uh, we were in the all-star game together. Uh, and in the, he went in the home run derby with the home run derby too. Um, and just, we, well, I got to pick his brain so much just about his approach. And that's the cool thing about all that. I say this to so many people that, that the biggest thing I take away from all that, all these experiences is, um, just able to like, you know, be a, be friend, be called uh, like an Albert Pujols or Derek Jeter, somebody, my friend, but also be able to like pick their brains of how they went about their business and how they, um, uh, what their approach was. Uh, it's just so cool to kind of reminisce on that and just tell stories of, uh, of what they've kind of, we've talked about kind of thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. You mentioned that all-star game. You made the 2015 All-Star roster. Was that the year it was you and Moustakas? They, th- was that the year they had you two in like a Twitter runoff or something like that? Yeah, so uh, – I distinctly yeah, that, that remember making a Twitter account just to try to get you in the All-Star game. You know what? And and it's crazy because I think they still do that stuff. That was kind of the first year of like a um, – like, I don't know if it's a vote in or something like here's the all-star team then vote in like these other four players or something. I don't. And so it was like, I remember it being such a, like an ordeal, just like, <laughs> let's try to make sure he gets so many tweets and so many things. And it's like, Oh my gosh. But anyway, <laughs> end up getting in and stuff. Uh, so it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. I literally, I, I remember I literally made a Twitter account just to yeah. try to vote you into the all-star. I think, every, I mean, so many people did. It was just <laughs> looking back at it now. It's like, golly, let's just either vote for me or not. Let's just get on. <laughs> it was the greatest method of branding by Twitter ever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so can you, can you tell us a little bit about that all-star game? It's a spectacle, isn't it? And there are just a ton of stuff to do that during that time. A lot oh, you're do. busy for, you got the, the red carpet, the parade. My wife was up there with me. So we got to uh, just, I mean, everything. And they had you doing something crazy. I will tell you this crazy story. I was, uh, <clears throat> so Jose Altuve named was a starting second baseman. And then uh, Jason Kipnis was the backup. And then I ended up making it. So I was kind of the quote unquote third string. 
and usually the first quote unquote first string gets um, you know gets a couple of bats, and then the guy coming in gets a few innings and gets in a bat, and then you know whatever's left over if you get a bat or not, whatever. And so I kind of go went into it knew that I might not get to play, but it's a good experience. Blah blah blah. And uh, that morning, uh, or that for lunch when we had lunch that day before the game, I get up out of my seat and I kind of slip and fall and I blow my back out. And I literally couldn't have barely, I couldn't walk. I didn't take BP on the field. So you take BP in front of all the cameras, do your thing. I didn't even take BP. And because I couldn't, I couldn't even barely move. I didn't take ground balls or nothing. I was like, Oh gosh. Anyway. So the, um, the, the game comes, Altuve gets a couple of bats. Kipnis gets one. He strikes out, and um, it's shaping up to be the next, uh, the top or the bottom of the eighth. And I'm or the second base position is the third one up. And sure enough, uh, Kipnis, who's you know, one of my close buddies, he comes us. He said, "Hey, you take this bat. I don't. I don't want it." And I was like, "Oh gosh. All right. Well." <laughs> First of all, that's great. Thank you for doing that, buddy. But I can't feel my back. <laughs> but that's, so I, I didn't even have my glove or bat down in the dugout. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get up there, probably strike out something. And um, just to say, you know, it might be my only all-star game ever. Just, to, you know, whatever. So I went back up and got my bat. Got my bat and gloves. Ned Yost, who was our manager, he's like, get on out there. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, this is going to be embarrassing. And I swear to you, hey, the good, the good Lord is great because I said a little prayer walking up there. I said, hey, take this pain away from me. Please don't let me embarrass myself. <laughs> well, sure enough, one, two count, uh, Mark Melanson hangs a breaking ball at like 78 miles an hour. Uh, my little nephew could hit this thing out. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> He hung it, and I hit it out to dead center. But it was just like a – it was like such a surreal moment because I'm sitting there like, please don't embarrass yourself because I can't even feel my back to like, okay, the wind's blowing out, and he hangs a 78-mile-hour breaking ball, and I happen to get lucky and hit one out. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Were you out there during like the home run derby and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's – uh in the year before, you know, I was in the home run derby, so we got to experience yeah. all that. Uh, it's just it, – it's such a cool thing. Um, uh, they do a good job with all that. To me, the home run derby looks like so much fun. They just – you know, you got your teammates out there cheering you on and doing all that. Just – I think they do a really good job of making that a fun environment. They do. The only thing was when I was in it <laughs> – they uh, that's where they change it for that one year to only get seven. You get seven outs. Uh, so basically you got seven pitches to hit one out and stuff. And now they do like five minutes worth of swings and stuff. So, uh, yeah. but I squeaked, I squeaked a couple out. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so Brian, you're probably one of the few people on the planet who has played in an all-star one played in the major leagues. Then two played in an All Star game, played in a home run derby, and won a World Series. You've pretty much lived out any dream a person could possibly have as a kid in their yard growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about the World Series and what that experience was for you? Yeah, it was uh, what made it so special, and 
<clears throat> I hate if anybody's listening that they're Astro fans, but when we played the Astros, who at the time we were, you know, going through the whole the whole cheating scandal. So it was uh, it was even more icing on the cake uh, as far as when we upset them, so to speak. Uh, but it, it, it was a surreal moment. Uh, you get you get to experience so many different things that come with just playing, I guess, in the World Series that uh, that they have to do and your family has to do and parades and all this kind of stuff. And then and then winning the World Series and afterwards uh, we spent seven or eight days in Minnesota um, and just got to experience with the hockey games and go to the White House and meet Trump and, and the parades and all, all this kind of stuff that just uh, looking back at it, it's – it, it really is like um like kind of pinch me kind of thing so all right and, and in the midst of all this one of my favorite brian dozier moments happens and i and someone tells me to look up brian dozier calma <laughs> and i look this video up and it's one of the greatest things i've ever seen if you haven't seen it and you're listening it's definitely worth a youtube visit here <laughs> Can you tell me where that where the whole thing came from? Do you even know what the words of the song mean? I have no oh, idea. Yeah. Like, so, so I speak Spanish, um, and so we had a, a decent amount of people on the team that speak Spanish. And uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this, but so uh, May twenty third, we were the worst team in baseball that year. We had the worst record in baseball uh, by like four or five games, and. However, we were the oldest team in baseball, and we had legitimately the best starting staff with Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Annabelle Sanchez. I mean, it literally was the best. And so we kept losing one-run games, and um, um, we had this kind of theme to that we love to play Spanish music in, in the locker room, and Calma was one of them. And so um, – I thought it was like, would be pretty cool to like, okay, we lost like nine straight May 23rd. I was like, well, listen, I'll, uh, <laughs> I probably should be saying this, but let's, let's do something when we win a game, let's like do something post game. Let's, um, to kind of get everybody laughing and spirits back in. So I would, um, <laughs> I would take off my clothes and, and jump on our bullpen, um, our bullpen pitchers or BP pitchers back and he'd ride me around the clubhouse like to Calma. And, uh, <laughs> and it was like the funniest thing and everyone loved it. And so we win the second game and I did the same thing. I would jump on his back with nothing on and he would like run me around the clubhouse and we would dance to Calma. And we end up winning like 12 straight. And everyone's like Scherzer and all them are like, hey, listen, we got to You got to keep doing this. And I, I said, I, was like, I can't do this the whole year. This is, and we're like, all right. So it ended up fast forward. I did it every, after every single win, but I would like start buying like these masks <laughs> to put on my head. Like I would do a different outfit every single win. So like if we would go. Um, if we would go and play the Braves, I had a freeze outfit. If we'd go and play, you know, wh whatever. 
Yeah. And I, I literally spent like five grand in these costumes uh, <laughs> at the end of the World Series. So, um, so that's why you see us at the very end when we clinched and, uh, you know, we played the NLCS that we're the whole comma video with my shirt off. The only reason I have my shirt off is because I always did have my shirt off after a win more than that, but I just media was in there. <laughs> so I couldn't take everything off. <laughs> so it was just my shirt and we were dancing to comma. So that's kind of the story. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. The story's much better than I actually anticipated. It being, so thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, all good though. All fun. Did you do, you danced in the parade too, didn't you? To the same well, song? And well, did you that, say my <clears throat> wife's gonna kill me when she sees this? So yeah, so that that's <laughs> the on along the same line. So throughout the parade and everything, the hockey game and um the White House, all this kind of stuff, I would always take my shirt off because the whole team wanted me to, because that was kind of the the thing we did. And um, so during the parade, I took my shirt off again. My wife, she's on the parade with us, and she's, like, rolling her eyes. Like, I've seen this for the last, you know, so long. Like, I'm tired, all this kind of stuff. The the fans don't want to see that anymore. But we only have, you know, I was like, we only have one more day left of this, you know. So we, after the parade was over, you know, we get on stage, kind of the finale of everything and uh we're walking up there and uh my wife looks and you know they're sitting fr- front row all the wife and kids and she goes everyone's tired of you with your shirt off promise me on stage you will not take your shirt off and i said babe if there's anything i promise i promise you i'm, I'm done doing that i'm tired of it we're gonna go home tomorrow who it's been a long ride well of course they hoist, host the trophy up and stuff and the whole everybody's chanting, take it off kind of thing. So I was like, Oh my gosh. So I take my shirt off and I start dancing to Kama and everything. And that's when I get on the mic and said, Oh my gosh, my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still listen to Kama, Eddie? Oh yeah. You know what? I was at, actually at, um, I was at the Southern Miss game this past weekend and I, um, well, we went from the roost to the stands to sit up in the stands for a couple of innings. And when I got up there, Jason Baker, uh, who can kind of controls the music, he he started playing Calma, trying to get me to dance. And I look up and I said, eh, eh. I told my wife, I ain't doing that anymore. <laughs> I ain't doing it at Southern Miss game. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, you, you've played in several cities. Obviously, you played in uh, – DC, you well. I'm assuming you lived there during the season. You had a housing arrangement there, so you played in uh, Minnesota. You played in DC. You played in Los Angeles. Can you tell me a little bit about the cities that you lived in throughout your playing experience? Yeah, so Minnesota was about seven or eight years. Uh, that's kind of we, my wife and I like to say is kind of our second home to, um, to Mississippi. Uh, it reminds us a lot of Mississippi. Uh, it's phenomenal. The people are amazing. We bought a house, uh, up there in my last four or five years and, uh, close to the stadium. It's unbelievable. People are great. Food is awesome. Uh, I got to, uh, early on in my career up there, I got, uh, got on with some people that would let me, uh, turkey hunt and deer hunt and fish up there at their property. So it was perfect for an old country boy like me. Um, and then, 
Then I got traded to Los Angeles, and it was exactly the opposite of everything you can imagine. <laughs> what? L.A.'s not like Mississippi? What? <laughs> we uh, Not much uh, fishing, huh? <laughs> hey, let me tell you this. We, uh, we got an apartment. We went from a house to an apartment in L.A., and uh, this is the honest truth, and I'm not exaggerating. We lived 7.8 miles from the stadium. And every single day, if I got to the stadium in under an hour, hour and a half, it was like a blessing. Wow. It is unbelievable. But the the crazy thing is my wife had to learn that when I was gone, you know, get to the stadium at noon or one, whatever she had to, there was like a window of like 45 minutes that you could like go up the street in your car to the grocery store and you had to time it. You had to time. If you, if you missed it, you'd be gone for three hours. So you have to like time every single thing. So that was a different experience. You should, I'm just run up the corner market real quick and, you know, mm-hmm. grab some, grab some fruit and come back and stuff. You don't do that out in LA. Whew. Uh, so that was a, that was a, a game changer for me. And then uh, DC was a lot like Minnesota, uh, the same exact thing. And, uh, and then when I finished with, uh, when I finished with the Mets in New York, uh, that was probably pretty much exactly like uh, LA. So, okay. Well, Brian, the last I, I always like to ask our guests this at some point throughout the the show here. Do you have any good stories you can share with us, or funny stories? Obviously, you've got a bunch of them. But do you you got any funny stories or good stories you want to share on the show with us tonight? Uh, well, I just shared with the, me being naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if any of them top that you being naked dancing to coma, but any other stories you'd like to share with us? Uh, we're going to you know, have a, I, share, I, I got a little, a little funny one. Um, so when I was, uh, when I went, when I left Southern Miss and then I went straight to rookie ball, um, uh, my next year, my first spring training, uh, I was in minor league spring training. I get I didn't have didn't go to big league spring training, but I would go up and uh, they would call me up to big league spring training for a couple of games, play with them, all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, they invited me. The team broke and went to an exhibition game before the season started. It was in um, Atlanta playing the Braves, and they invited me along with about four or five other minor leaguers to come basically kind of to replace the starters after like four or five innings to come in, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, I was like, uh, I was so pumped. I thought I would, this is the big leagues. I done made it, you know, a little be known. It wasn't, it was just like an exhibition game, but so I get to, you know, spend four or five days doing all this kind of stuff, like flying on the plane and staying in a big league hotel and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the first one to the field. Like, I know I'm going to get sent back down to AAA, but I'm going to be the first one to the field. And so they sent out like this little thing that said, hey, listen, uh, the bus is at one o'clock. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to take a taxi. I'm going to like spend some money that I don't have, but I'm going to take a taxi and get there at like 1230. Well, I get, so I get to, I get to the Braves ballpark, 1230. I go in, no one is in the clubhouse, like absolutely no one. So I'm like thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm proving a point. Like I'm some guy, right? trying to prove to everybody that I'm a rookie, you know, really dedicated, all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to – I see in the kitchen there's this, like, cook. 
So I was like, well, I ain't had no lunch yet. So I'm, I'm, he makes me like a little burger and French fries. And I sit down on the couch and start eating. And I'm like, geez, I'm like 30, 45 minutes past. And I'm like, still nobody's here. This is cool. Like, I'm, I can't wait till somebody come in and see me there sitting, you know, ready to rock. So I was like, well, dang. All right, well, I've never seen Turner Field. I want to like go out, go outside and like, like see this. And uh, so as soon as I go down the tunnel and walk up the steps to the dugout, the entire team is doing early work outside on the field. <laughs> hey, this was the most, probably the most humble moment of my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You sit in there having lunch. hamburgers thinking I'm the first one and I'm the last person at the field. Apparently, fast forward, no one ever takes the bus. Everybody just gets there early, especially early on to like get, you know, start getting loose and all that kind of, especially ex- exhibition games. Anyway, so I'm like freaking out. I run back in the, uh, the clubhouse. I throw on these pants, my cleats, my jersey, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of like try to sneak off to the side and try to like sneak up and act like I was been there the whole time. And I'll never forget Jim Tomey, who's one of my best friends. Jim Tomey comes up to me. He sees me and he pulls me over to the side. And he says, hey, Doge, listen, I saw you. Don't ever let me don't ever let me beat you to the field ever again. And I said, I got you. I'll never do it. And to that day, I promised myself, well, with Jim Tomey too, but I would never be, I would always be the first one to the field before anybody else got there. Uh, just to prove a point that, Hey, listen, no matter if you're going to get there at one o'clock, I'm going to be there at 12 o'clock. So right. uh, it was a very humbling moment of my life. <laughs> no doubt, man. <laughs> Well, Brian, I've enjoyed this a lot, man. That's Me all too, the questions brother. I've got. This has been this has been a blast, man. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. Thank you man. for coming on, man. For sure. Appreciate do you think? Uh, do you think coaching ever be in your future, man? Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day. I uh, um, I put in for um, to kind of get interviewed for last year for a couple of manager jobs in the big leagues. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to manage whether it be in the big leagues or possibly even at Southern Miss. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, no doubt. These kids come first and stuff. So Absolutely, man. If we can, uh, if we can figure out a way, either now or later on, um, uh, we're going to try to pursue it. So awesome. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for. Uh chatting with us and giving us some some great stories to thank to you laugh for your time man night. yeah we appreciate yeah. your time absolutely uh, i appreciate you guys having me man thanks a lot thank you brian dozier and thank you pate thaggard for always making us sound and look good we appreciate it and we'll talk to y'all next time and as always southern miss to the, to top. the top thanks so much for listening to this episode of the everyday eagles podcast for Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EverydayEaglesPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast.